0: Wonderland.
1: And welcome to episode 261 of on 14. I am Mike. I am Patrick. I'm Joel. And
2: I'm Josh. And I hear that there's something in the water that makes humans go crazy. But since I pretty much exclusively drink whiskey, and the magic ice cubes have turned me into an attack helicopter, I should be
1: fine. (laughs) (laughs) I get that. References off the hook. (laughs) So yeah, if that didn't give you enough of a a tip-off, this week we are doing uh, The Crazies. Uh nineteen seventy one? Seventy one? Seventy two? Right around uh, that. Seventy three. Seventy-three. I was way off. Um <laughs> uh, and two thousand ten. Yeah. So uh yeah, crazies. Crazy oh. feeling. Crazy. Crazy.
2: If you like crazy things, you'll love the crazy shows on the podcast collective, such as The Coffin Joe Cast. I am Salt Lake, Tales from the Hard Side. The Empty Rant Podcast and, of course, the Rad Dad Radio Hour.
1: We updated the list, too. Now we also have the Mom and the New Dad and Talk Music to Me.
2: (laughs) Yes, but I won't end my uh, little (laughs) spiel with either of those because whenever I do that, the show dies. And then I keep ending the spiel with it for another two years.
1: (laughs) We are the kiss of death for shows. We're sorry. <laughs> we don't know how it happens. Poor Leftfield Sports Lounge.
2: Joel is a podcast vampire. <laughs> <laughs> he sucks the energy from other podcasts and creates a new one of his own.
3: <laughs>
1: <laughs> that was ominous. Yeah. So if you're looking for our older stuff, again, Blueberry, iTunes, TalkShoe, Stitcher, Podverse FM, NoonFM dot com, and. Podchaser.com. Yes. Haha. Ha, got it right on the first try that time. And if you want to leave us any voicemails, which I really hope we don't have, uh, 708 now we're at. That's oh, we 708 so We have one? Yeah, we do. Yeah. Next week. Next week. Next Aww. week. We've just been sitting here for an hour trying to figure stuff out. Uh, I completely forgot until you said voicemail, as nah. I do. That's nah, all right. But yeah, so uh, if you want to find our older stuff, definitely give us a call. Message us on Facebook. Talk to us on Twitter. Uh, one of us will be awake and conscious and not drunk enough to uh, not respond. So
3: yeah, uh, Sorry, uh, Luke.
1: <laughs> Next week, Luke. <laughs> we're wondering why people don't message us or call in. Oh, well, no, I'm sad. Huh? <laughs> I can't hear you over the sound of my drink. And it's uh, that time. Yeah, it's about that time. This week in... Music, movies, and TV. Swarts. Drew that one out a little bit. Mm -hmm. So this week we are going with March 16th, 1973. That was the premiere of The Crazies. By Patsy Cline. All right. Uh,
3: Ironically enough, the number one song in the land was Killing Me Softly by Roberta Flack.
2: That's not even close to ironic. That's yeah, not ironic? Yeah. That's not even Alanis at ironic.
3: <laughs> but I had to say it. No, uh, you didn't. I did, because I knew I'd get flack for it if I did.
1: Uh, oh, okay, uh, seriously. Yeah. Because of that, the next time I see you, I'm going to kick you square in the nuts. I. You owe me like seven of those. It's a good thing you got two. eight nuts. <laughs> they call me E.T. <laughs> How
0: do you wipe pants? Careful. Cash. <laughs>
3: <laughs> uh, and Zlowski Shla- Probably not even
0: close at all just, Let's just be honest yeah,
3: oh, Okay, Was a Polish composer He composed three string quartets His later overture for orchestra Was his first well-known work During the occupation of Poland by Nazi Germany In World War II He lived in hiding and with financial difficulties And was sought by the Nazis But managed to compose several works Z- Zalowski did I say it right? Zalowski. No, Zalowski. Yeah. Is mostly known today for his
0: Nicolaj
3: Sonatina for clarinet and his other chamber wind pieces with occasional performances of his overture. Zalowski suffered Zalowski. a heart attack and died shortly after trying to lift his wife after she slipped <laughs> and fell on March twenty first. They were both absorbed. No right. only him. So, wow.
0: To eat, what, Mike, to eat
1: What a Polish way to go out. <laughs> I survived the Nazis, but I had a heart attack when I tried to pick up my wife.
2: (laughs) Well, we should clarify that Mike is Polish.
1: Yeah.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's why, yeah.
1: Yeah, he can say that. I can say say a lot of things. Doesn't mean it's right. Um,
0: There's a lot of things you can't say, too, as we've proven over the years. Oh, God,
1: yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, On
3: March 10th. Wait.
0: Wait, what? Ignore um, that part right. on
3: March 10th. Just on March 10th, Paul McCartney was fined <laughs> $240 after he pled guilty to charges of growing marijuana at his Scottish farm.
1: <laughs> and he was like, really? <laughs> <laughs> 240 There Here you go. All right, there you go. Thank you. You Paul know what? Let's just make it 300 to save time.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or he's like, here's my signature. Keep the change. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, Picasso.
3: <laughs> he's like, you didn't see the rest of the field, so here's another 100 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and finally, Caroline Georgina Corr, born March 17th, is an Irish singer and drummer for the Celtic folk rock band The Corrs. She is known to her fans as the Chick with Stick. In addition <laughs> to the drums, Corr plays the Badrin, Cajon, and percussions and piano. Okay. Cajon? Cajon?
0: I don't know how to pronounce any of those, so I'm not going to. I gonna think it's me.
3: Cajon,
2: but I'm not sure because it, if it's Celtic, that J could be pronounced any
1: number <laughs> of ways. <laughs> yeah. That that J could be a Q for all we know at this point. Zalowski.
3: Zalowski.
1: Zalowski. Z is S Z is pronounced sh. That's why. Uh, why. Interesting. Let, yeah, that's why the you know if you ever go up to uh, Niles area there's a, a place called the White Eagle and it's Shibuiwas but it's uh, it's spelled P R Z Y, B L A S. So Shibuiwa. Uh, so, I.
2: Was correct. It is pronounced Cajon, but it's Mm. not Celtic. It's Peruvian. What? Yeah. Uh, She's just like this percussion master and uh, decided to play any number of percussion instruments.
0: Zalowski.
2: All right. Moving on to movies. The number one movie in the land
1: was The World's Greatest Athlete. I've seen this movie.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Tell us about it. You it, were telling us pre free show, so you've got to talk about it now. It's, it's a Disney
1: movie. It's got the dad from Good Times, and it—I don't even know how to put this. It's exceptionally racist. Well, I don't even know. They go to Africa, and they get Tarzan, and they bring him back to the USA to compete. But it's got Tim Conway.
0: It's, is it actually Tarzan?
1: No, it's Nan- Nanu, played by Jan Michael Vincent. Oh, my
0: gosh. Oh yikes! Yeah, he plays the, guy, the African
1: guy. Yeah, the guy from Airwolf.
0: Oh my god, you're kidding!
1: No, I'm not. <laughs> is he South African? No. Wow. Well, he that could, might well, be too is, dumb to be properly racist.
0: This is some tiptoe shit,
1: dude. It's got Nancy Walker. Uh, it. I mean, it's well. I mean, Howard Cosell, Frank Gifford. It and here's the thing though. The only true African American I know is like a six foot three white guy from that whose family's from Minnesota. He grew up and was born in South Africa. So I guess it works. Jan Michael Vincent, African. Why not?
0: I mean Charlize Theron is African.
1: Uh what's his name? From Tesla. He's
0: Sebastian. No, not Sebastian. Sebastian. <laughs> right. I stopped myself. I'm like, wait, no.
1: <laughs> That's not the word. <laughs> uh uh, what's his name? The guy with the guy with smoking the blunts the guy on the with podcast. The
0: Got the head with the eyes.
1: What? A, God, why can't? What's his name? Josh. Come on. I have
2: no idea, dude. I'm just moving on. Five Fingers of Death was released this week in the United States and was a surprise success, starting a kung fu film craze in North America. Elon
3: Musk. Wow, I wasn't thinking that at all. He was yeah, born in Pretoria, South
1: Africa, came to the United States and became a uh, American citizen, and then learned the Five Finger Death Punch. Yes, <laughs> five. <laughs> sure, why not? Just Which was also it, a pretty good band. You know, one, one of the coolest things was, is when I was working at the warehouse as a picker, we would send stuff out to SpaceX all the time. So there's shit that's in those rockets that I sent out. So I helped. Interesting. I helped.
0: Space pants.
2: <laughs> Stacey <laughs> Harris was a Canadian-born actor with hundreds of film and television appearances. He acted in five Broadway plays and received a New York Critics Award. Eris played varied characters, often villains, on various programs such as Dragnet, Noah's Ark, Adam-12, Death Valley Days, and Emergency. He died of a heart attack on March 13th.
3: Absorbed. Wait, there were villains on Noah's Ark? Was there two of them? I don't think that's what that show was about. Might have been.
2: I remember Adam-12. I don't remember Death Valley Days, but now I kind of want to see it.
3: Does it have Jan Michael Vincent?
2: I hope not.
0: (laughs) As an (laughs) African-American.
2: On March 16th, Carl Benton Reed was an American actor who was in such movies as Pressure Point and In a Lonely Place.
0: Jesus, I was high when I wrote this.
2: (laughs) He died at 79. (laughs) On television, Reed had the role of the man in Amos Burke, Secret Agent. He made four guest appearances on Perry Mason during the show's nine-year run. His final television role was as Cloud Townsend in the TV series The FBI.
1: Uh, Absorbed. Amos Burke's Secret Agent is probably the worst name for a TV show I've ever heard. How about Delta Burke's Secret Agent? (laughs) Dude, I would watch the heck out of that.
0: (laughs) I would watch that. How about Burl Ives' Secret Agent?
1: (laughs) For the first 13 years of my life, I thought Burl Ives was a talking snowman. (laughs) So uh, the top shows in the land for TV are All in the Family, The Waltons, and Sanford & Son. That's so 70s. All in the family is ripe for a comeback. I want all in all in the
0: family back. You know what? What? This would be amazingly perfect—a reboot of All in the Family with Louis C.K. as Archie.
3: Ooh! First, he's got to get rid of all of his legal troubles. Yeah, first. That's what I'm
0: saying. Like that would be the perfect vehicle for his reboot because I think I think that would be a way for him to like almost embrace his bad image now and just.
1: (laughs) All in the family. Look at my dick. I remember that episode.
0: That oh, was a God. show about incest. No Who's
3: <laughs> <laughs> playing Edith? Oh, my
0: God. Oh, oh uh,
1: Trivia, trivia. All in the Family was actually the name of the uh, one adult film that Jackie Chan was in.
3: How do I see this? I don't want to see this. Does this is Dick to his own stunts.
1: Uh, I'm sure.
0: Nobody what? manages to break it. So on March 12th,
1: Rowan and Martin's Laughing aired its last show, which is sad because those guys are funny. Do you guys ever watch any of the old stuff? Yeah, I've seen it. Yeah. What's your what's your favorite sketch? I was not aware there were going to be follow-up questions. <laughs> I don't know. I I always like the old man on the bench. It was like Ruth Buzzi. that's
0: what I was going to say.
1: Oh, shit. The shut old up. man on the bench. Uh, am I the only one who's actually watched more than one of these? Yeah. I have seen
2: a bunch of them, but probably not in 7 or 8 years.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been a long time. Let's move on to something more fun like Cedric Yarborough who was born on March 20th. He's an American comedian, singer, voice artist, and actor. He starred on the Comedy Central television series Reno 911 as Deputy Jones and currently stars on Speechless and offers voices and voices officer Meow Meow Fuzzy Face on the Netflix (laughs) comedy (laughs) drama Meow Meow Fuzzy Face, BoJack Bojack Horseman, which I have not seen.
0: It's Uh, pretty damn good. Oh, dude, you you would enjoy it. Is
1: is it up my alley?
0: It's dark and funny and intense and deep and full of hidden jokes and shit. And
1: nice. It's so good. Yeah. So Ananda Lewis, born March 21st, is an American television personality model and social activist. She was an MTV VJ from the late 1990s until 2001 when she left the network to host her own broadcast syndicated television talk show called the Acronym of the Week, which is T-A-L-S. I'm pretty sure that's Tim Allen
2: Licks Sack.
3: <laughs> For fun and profit.
0: Uh, that's the autobiographical portion of his time in prison. Uh, yeah, Tim Allen spent time in prison. Yes, we know. That is actually the Ananda Lewis show. You were so close.
2: He still licks Sack.
0: <laughs> She's gorgeous, too. Who? I don't know if you guys remember her, Ananda Lewis. Mm-mm. Yeah.
1: Now, is it, is it actually Ananda, or you you just too stoned no, to that's spell No, that's,
0: that's the real spelling, yeah. Oh, Ananda. okay.
1: Oh, look at that. Yeah, that's a person. Okay.
0: And yeah, that was actually not a typo in, in a tweet hey, with typos. This it,
1: week. Yeah, in in my defense. You're white? <laughs> in my we defense, I thought you were too stoned to spell Amanda.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's valid. I I got to give you that.
1: Sports, he says, trying to pass it to you one more time.
0: What? Oh, it is my turn, isn't it? Hey.
1: Okay, I'll step hey. up.
0: Hey, what day is this? Born on March eleventh, Kennedy Otieno is a Kenyan cricket wicket keeper. That's not easy to say.
2: Kenyan cricket wicket keeper. I like that.
0: <laughs> say it say it four times in a row. Go, Josh.
2: Kenyan cricket wicket keeper. Kenyan cricket
1: wicket
3: keeper. <laughs> He's not even high. <laughs>
1: That was worth price of admission right oh, there. Oh, that
0: was amazing. I loved that one. He scored 85 versus Australia in the 1996 World Cup.
1: Good on him.
0: Yep. Other than that, not much to say about him. He was a he was a professional.
1: <laughs> All right. Player. I want to hear you say the next sentence.
0: Frank Francis, <laughs> nicknamed the Fordham Flash or the Old Flash, was a German-American MLB player and manager. He was a switch-hitting second baseman who threw right-handed. So are you. He, <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> he played for the New York Giants and St. Louis Cardinals, and he managed for the Cardinals, Pittsburgh Pirates, and Chicago Cubs. He is a member of the National Baseball Hall of Fame and Museum and the St. Louis Cardinals Hall of Fame Museum. He died on March 12th from injuries suffered in a car crash one month earlier while he was picking up his wife.
1: Damn. That's a <laughs> sad <It's>, um, absorption. <laughs> Man, who would have thought two in one week? Kenyan <laughs> Cricket Wicket Keeper. <laughs> <laughs>
3: That's my next podcast.
1: <laughs> it works on multiple levels. <laughs> We've lost him.
0: Uh, I <laughs> think the brownies kicking in. <laughs> All right. Rob Johnson, NFL quarterback for the Jacksonville Jaguars, was born March 18th.
1: Good on him. Take us out, keyboard Joel. No, 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 All right. So, this is how much we love you people. We watched this movie. Uh, the Crazies. Well,
0: we didn't all watch
1: this movie. We didn't all, yeah. Disclaimer. Pat, oh. Patrick was bad and got his internet taken away this week. <laughs> do you have something to tell us, Patrick?
0: Kids, this is your lesson. Uh, don't pirate. It's bad. <laughs> boo, boo. Sad, sad.
1: And if you do, don't do 80 gig at a time.
0: Yeah, I got busted by my ISP and got put on uh, basically like a internet probation and I was not able to watch anything this week including up to and including the movies. So don't download and I went and downloaded <clears throat> too much.
1: So that and doesn't mean went he's he's
0: downloaded a VPN.
1: Yeah, it doesn't mean that he's not going to comment on things.
0: No, so. yeah, I'm still going to I'm going to help just a little bit less than normal.
1: <laughs> Is that even possible?
0: <laughs> We're going to find out.
1: All right, so then The Crazies, 1973. The military attempts to contain a man-made combat virus that causes death and permanent insanity in those infected as it overtakes a small Pennsylvania town. That's pretty much it right there. Mm -hmm. In a nutshell. Taglines, all hell is about to break loose. That makes sense. Why are the good people dying? Kind of makes sense. A biological civil war. Yeah, that makes sense. A lethal terror snowballs into hell. I don't even understand where they came up with that. That that makes no sense to me. Um,
0: Something about Snowball's Chance in Hell? Maybe? Something,
1: something, hell something? something, something, hell,
0: something? Something, something, Burt Ward?
1: Yes. So uh, this is directed by uh, some guy named George A. Romero, who wears really thick glasses and is known for m- movies with uh, zombies in them.
3: Rest in peace, George.
1: Yes. Or don't,
0: or as yeah. we want to do? Cause
1: yeah, we're not the kidding. judge of you. You do you. Would be fitting
0: if George Romero didn't rest in peace.
1: Yeah. So this writing credits is Paul McCullough, uh who also wrote the Crazies. I don't uh, right. <laughs> uh, he wrote the Crazies and a video short called Horror Rock in 1989.
0: So he wrote the Crazies and Letters Home is all he ever.
1: Yeah, done. the most thing he's ever done has been composers compositions for things like Santa Claus, oh. Night of the Living Dead, and something called Were Girl.
0: What? Dude, Were, I need to see that.
1: Were Girl.
0: Into a girl once a month.
1: Well, thanks to an <laughs> thanks Since to an bigger, in, ancient gypsy curse, a young woman is transformed into a butch lesbian by the light of the full moon. Will she find a cure? Will she want a cure? Will she ever get used to those comfortable shoes?
0: Will she cure some ham?
1: I This show is getting Confusing. Just move on. All right. So cast, uh, Lane Carroll as Judy. Do you know who Lane Carroll is? She's nope. She's known for The Crazies and Hercules in New York.
0: <laughs> Hercules in New York. I love
1: that movie. Uh, Will McMillan, uh, who is known for The Crazies and showed up in the movie Bad Girls from 1994.
0: Is anybody in this movie going to be known for anything but this movie?
1: Yes. Uh,
2: there was at least right. one person who I recognized. Uh, and another who I retroactively recognized when I looked her up.
1: All right. There's, there's two that I know. All right. Harold Wayne Jones, who is Clank in this one, who plays Boars in Knight Riders. Which is another George A. Romero movie with Ed Harris. Yes. And I we really gotta see this. It's about a it's about a Fair troupe that tries to defend themselves against the local law enforcement. I like it. I'm on it. Sounds good. We need, need uh, to, motorcycles. Yeah, just look up pat. Look up the type in uh, Night Riders movie and look at just look at the front thing. So, uh, uh, Lloyd Holler, who plays Colonel Peckham, is known for uh, The Crazies, Kiss of Death, and One Life to Live. Lynn Lowry, Kathy, and she is one of the two that I'm
3: guessing Joel knew. Uh, no, actually, she not miss. Oh, really?
1: Because she's like a scream queen. She's been in a ton of horror. Oh, yeah. She's got a literal, I mean, there's at least 10, 12 things on here that are all pre-production for her. Yeah, she's still working, still doing almost exclusively horror. <laughs> oh,
0: my God.
1: Did you just look up the, Matt, <laughs> Tell me that doesn't look like fun.
0: Camelot is a state of mind.
1: It's got Ed Harris, man. Wow. And Tom Savini. Hey? i don't recognize a lot
3: of these movies she was in are not big well-known
1: okay i'm thinking horribles. big and well-known are not m- mutually exclusive for these people i'm just saying all right so anyway moving down richard liberty who played Artie. at yep, richard liberty uh was in uh, flight of the navigator and the final countdown
3: and he was in day of the dead
1: yes he was Ah, uh, so
2: he was one that you recognized
3: that was one of them, uh-huh. Uh, Rich, oh, Richard yeah.
2: France. Is, of course, the other.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh, he yeah, played Dr. What? Yeah, because he was Watts. the one I
2: recognized.
1: He's known for Dawn of the Dead, Dreams Come True, The Crazies, and There's Always Vanilla. What? Yeah, I mean, he's in both this film
2: and in Dawn of the Dead. He's a scientist who is a little overacty, but, like, very, like, he commands the screen. He's like a low-budget Orson Welles.
3: Yeah, he does. He he was in Night of the Living Dead, too. He was one of the commentators on the—or no. uh, It's Dawn. Dawn of the Dead, right.
2: He's a a scientist who they uh, interview on TV in Dawn of the
1: Dead. Right.
2: Right. Exactly.
1: Yeah, that's that's where I recognized him from. So uh, Harry Spillman is major writer. You may know him from The Crazies or Born Again, where he played Richard Nixon. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, will Disney, who is who no, played Dr. Brookmeyer, who is known for The Crazies, where he played Dr. Brookmeyer. Yep, there's a lot of that. Yeah. Richard
3: Liberty, just so maybe Josh will catch it. Um, if you saw Day of the Dead, he was Frankenstein.
0: Oh, okay.
1: Okay. Uh, I'm going to toss in Edith Bell, because later on I'm going to talk about her in trivia. She was a lab technician. rest of these people, I just copy and pasted because their names were there. We're just going to keep moving. Uh, oh no no no! Jack Zaharia, who played the priest, who's known for the Crazies, and apparently the priest who set himself on fire behind the mannequin. So okay, yeah. So, uh, so trivia. Believe it or not, in this movie, no Hollywood stuntmen were used. Uh, local firemen and licensed fireworks professionals handled all the action sequences, including the creation and employment of the blood squibs. Makes sense. And uh, what bright, bright red blood squibs they were.
2: Uh, I mean, yeah, but I consider Dawn of the Dead a classic
1: all-time, and it had pretty bright red blood as well. well. That was like yeah. a 70s thing, though. Yeah.
0: Isn't I, it a Romero thing?
1: Yeah. Well, I don't well, even see, I don't even think it was Romero. I think it was the 70s because their film wasn't able to catch the blood as well if it was done in actual color of the blood. So they had to make it super bright. In order for it to catch on the film.
3: Well, and I, Savini's talked about that in length and in uh, um, interviews about it. It's kind of cringy now to look back on it, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of the sign of the times.
1: Yeah. So uh, the burning house at the beginning of the film was a bit of serendipity for the film's crew. The local fire department was burning down an old house to practice putting out a fire and agreed to let them film it. Neat. Yeah. So it was kind of cool.
3: Also in attendance, David Byrne, who wrote a song, but when I hear it, here it goes. <laughs> I'm not
1: actually going to. You bring up our expectations and then you dash them down. Uh, <laughs> no. Director George Romero makes two cameos in the film. First, as a local being herded into the high school, and second, as the back of the head of the president of the United States.
3: Yeah, he pops up in not all of his movies, but quite a few of them. He makes a little. Fun little cameos.
1: Yeah, it's kind of fun. Uh, it's also stated repeatedly that the pathogen is a virus, but several references are made it, made to it being a bacteriological weapon, as if uh, viral infections and bacterial infections are the same thing. The female lead also takes an antibiotic that slows her response to the pathogen, but antibiotics are for bacteria and wouldn't help against the virus.
2: That is the first thing Sarah said when uh,
1: she was given an <laughs> antibiotic. <laughs> Immediately, <laughs> yeah, that's not going to help anything. Yeah, it was the
3: seventies; the paint was flowing like wine.
1: Plus, it's so, not like
3: anybody was going so to look was, it up.
0: I was going to say, and so was the wine. The wine was also flowing like wine, and the paint. cocaine was flowing
2: like uh, wine. Did, nobody was getting any cocaine at this point in uh, Romero's career. This was after he'd made two flops to follow up uh, *Night of the Living Dead*. Uh, for winners. His career was on the skids. No one was giving him money to make any new movies. And this softcore porn producer, Lee Hessel, who you'll see, it was like Lee Hessel's The Crazies at mm-hmm. the beginning, decided that he wanted to go legit and he wanted to make a real movie instead of just porn. And uh, he read the script, said, put some uh, more uh, action scenes and car chases in it and I'll give you a quarter million dollars.
0: Holy shit.
3: Which Romero kind of throughout his whole career worked outside of the system a little bit after getting a little dismayed with it.
0: But was this his first like success?
3: This was not a success.
2: No. He- by by the end of the movie, he had lost his studio, lost his marriage, lost basically his entire career until someone gave him a chance, and then he made Dawn of the Dead, that totally brought him back.
0: I was yeah. going to say this was pre-success.
2: It's oh, considered yeah. his biggest bomb of his entire career.
0: I
3: am. Now, when you look at his uh, – right before Dawn of the Dead, he made Martin, which has turned into kind of an underground cult classic. Um, and then eventually, I think that's what led him to Creepshow.
1: But. Yeah. So, Pat, you were wondering about how much of a bomb this was. The budget for this one was $275,000, and it grossed one hundred and fifty. Huh. Yeah. And we're talking even in the 70s, that was a shoestring
2: budget.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, like, imagine not making money on a $275,000 budget. Yeah, I, I, there are
2: YouTube videos that have a bigger budget than that.
3: Yeah, he he um he struggled most of his career, unfortunately. Yeah.
2: There are some really interesting ideas here the whole idea that you don't know if anyone who you've grown up with including the people traveling with could go crazy at any moment nobody knows who's infected and they could just turn and the idea that the military response the so-called sane people they're starting to act as crazy as the actual crazies mm-hmm. like it's very Romero idea unfortunately it's just terribly acted and not particularly well made
3: well, yeah, the editing. Uh, I, I mean, I've this is the third time I've seen it, and every time I see it, because I, it's been released, you know, with special edition Blu-rays, and it's been you know talked about and and remade, and and every time I watch it, I keep expecting <laughs> to go, oh, I get it now, and every time I watch it, I'm like, okay, I see one more flaw that bugs me, and the editing was one of the biggest parts of it, especially with all the stock footage, Ed Wood style military stuff that they threw in.
1: Yeah and i clank i have issue with clank was i I don't even know if clank was actually told that he was in a movie i know who you're talking about i mean he seemed to be standard 70s dipshit friend archetype yeah like it seemed like every scene was hey clank don't you be getting drunk (laughs) as as he's standing there literally with a bottle of old granddad in his hand and what they did find a lot of liquor in these houses, didn't they? <laughs> it was the 70s. There wasn't the Internet. They had to do something. So,
2: yeah. And like when you get the core group who is running together, uh, one of the reasons I bothered to look up Lynn Lowry is because she looked like a slightly more exotic, slightly
1: prettier, sissy space to me. She really did. And she, you know what, honestly, I think of all the people that were out there in this film, she did a pretty damn good job of doing her part. Well, yeah, most of the crazies themselves didn't seem particularly menacing
2: unless they actually had guns. They seemed kind of drunk or stoned and not particularly dangerous. And even the guys that had guns, you couldn't tell if they were just fighting back against the military being tyrannical or if they were actually crazy.
3: Yeah, it was well, very, very confusing. And I think one of the things, and I don't know if this was intentional or not, but with the way that the story was told with the editing and with the, uh, the kind of the frantic pace that kind of intermittently happens is whether he was trying to emphasize that point of, you know, who really is crazy. Is it the people that are uh, suffering from this bacteriological weapon or is it the, the military? And um, it, I think my one of my biggest problems with it outside of that was they don't really define the... The, the the actual crazy part of it some of them seem like they were just a little goofy some of them seemed homicidal uh, like there's the one scene that really sticks out where there's um uh there there's the kind of the battle between the the army and the group of crazies and there's the one woman that's sweeping up the the field
1: yeah i you know i think a, one of the trivia that i actually didn't put in there that i probably should have was that a lot of the extras a lot of the unnamed characters in this we're all like townspeople and high school students. hey,
3: okay, that's cheap labor. And I mean, it, people want to be on, on TV and on the movies. So. Oh
1: yeah. Everybody wants to be in a movie. So I don't, I don't disparage them at all. I just, you know, it, I think that's it is that you have a ton of people from this little town that they were actually shooting it in. They were like, eh, hey, I'm going to be in a movie. What do they want you to do? Oh, I'm just going to sweep up a field. And she I'm did a damn good job. Crazy. Yeah. <laughs>
3: <laughs> now, there was one scene that was particularly well done and um
1: that would be the scene where (laughs) say and it was in another
3: movie (laughs) (laughs) no where the the main one of the main girls i all of a sudden lost her name um judy
1: yeah where
3: she's out in the field and the other two are making or the other three are making a a run for it she's killed frankenstein and uh the military surround her and you know she says her lines and then proceeds to get shot as the, the sheep kind of run by in the...
2: Oh, that's playground. Kathy, not Judy. Okay. Judy's yeah. the okay. pregnant nurse. Yeah,
3: no, that's right. Sissy Spacek. Okay. Um, which was a very well done shot. I mean, that I don't know if it was intentional or not. I'm sure it was, but...
1: No, no, no. I mean, I, I agree with you with that she, I mean, she was all in for her character. And she actually, I think, out of all the other characters in this movie, did a great job of kind of showing the progression of Trixie affecting her. She was also one of the only likable characters, which is why it's horrifying
2: when her dad goes crazy and uh, they start to have sex, basically.
1: That was (laughs) really kind of a right turn. I wasn't expecting.
2: Um, Yeah. I mean, the only likable characters, as far as I was concerned, were Kathy and Colonel Peckham.
3: But again, it's one of those things where the, the, the disease itself or the whatever you want to call it doesn't have rules, it seems like.
2: Yeah, you can't make an accurate threat assessment as a viewer. Like, what the monster is? Who who are we rooting for? Who are we rooting against? Mm. How can we evaluate the decisions made by the characters when we barely understand them?
1: No, and I think that's part of the part of the problem with the movie and make and in the making of it is they're like with using the extras. They were kind of like, hey, this just makes you go insane. Just act crazy. Do it, and you know you. Go to a group of people and say, act crazy, they're all going to do something different. You know, and, you
0: know if, if you're on a limited budget, you don't have a whole lot of film to waste, so you're just going to have to take some takes. Yeah, right. that's
1: true. Take what
2: you get. Why the hell did the Army not give Dr. Watts a fucking ID badge? Seriously. I mean, I, I, the other thing that uh, when Sarah and I were
1: watching this, she just kept saying, worst Army ever. <laughs> <laughs> I completely agree. Especially when they busted into the. Um, when they busted into the one little homestead and they immediately shot down everybody, uh, one of the things that you may notice is that there was actually blood on the walls behind the people that got shot before they got shot. Huh. So that's fun. No, well, I. everything would have been, and this whole voice, is, is that the, the, what do they call it, the voice formatting or voice verification or
3: yeah yeah verification is probably most accurate,
1: yeah. you
2: know, they had a specific term where, like they couldn't send even messages out without
1: verifying voice print authentic. yeah, voice print authentic. And that was like and second, okay, And the other thing is, why did he even leave that room? You know, and the uh, so many questions. Dr. Well, Watts is in the chem lab for the high school. He steps out of the door, and the two guards who are standing there immediately throw him in with all the other crazies. Don't you think thus, somebody would have said to those two guys, hey, see this guy with the beard, leave him alone. <laughs> He's working on the cure.
3: He's been voice print verificationified. Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's, that's one of the, uh, again, one of the kind of uh, Romero esque type sequences because he potentially has found the cure and thus ends up with that on the floor and him being lumped in with the rest of the
1: and, houses. And what, possesses him to walk out of that with two vials of the the disease in his hands yeah i mean i I get that they're trying to say that people
2: not planning people's response to a crisis is just as crazy but i don't know it was just kind of ham-handed and overacted and bad though
1: i wanted to like this movie and i'm glad i saw it once but we'll never see it again I'm in the same boat with you, but at the same time, Richard France uh, for I mean, for Dr. Watts, he was 100 percent in on his role. Why are you bringing me here? I'm going to step out of this car right now. Don't you know who I am? I mean, it's like they gave him his character and he all the chips in. He was 100 percent for it. I liked him. I thought his character was overhanded and super uh tropey, but he was fun to watch for sure. Especially when he was like, you know, when the one uh, he was trying to talk to the one woman about um, the cure. And she's like, why don't you just tell me what you're looking for? God, woman, I don't have time to talk to you. I have things to do, you know, and that sort of thing. I think he was, you know, very um, porkish. His awkward (laughs) flirting with her was
2: also kind of amazing. Yeah, it was. Uh, Pat, since you haven't seen this, do you have any questions for us that can direct us in a particular direction rather than randomly complaining? <laughs> or have uh, we piqued uh, your interest at all?
0: Not really. I mean, I've heard bits and pieces about this movie before. Nothing's you know spectacular, and has made me you know. I mean, I knew it was a Romero movie, so I was imagining it was in the 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 kind of the vein of the rest of his movies. And I'm not a big fan, so I'd never really have sought this movie out. So I mean not to, you know, piss in your cheerio's but no, I don't really have a whole lot to add.
3: Well, and that's the funny thing about Romero is as much as I uh you know, love the man as a human being and respected what he did and his body of work, he's not exactly the best director on the planet and um, You heard think, him say it. <laughs> well, and that's uh, it's 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 a fair assessment. Um he
0: Would you say Eli Roth is better?
3: as a director? Yeah. I think he's got a better feel for directing, yes. But um you know, he made Night of the Living Dead and kind of unintentionally became the voice of um anti-establishment and then then he kind of used that in the rest of his career to be kind of his trademark. And there's certain things that you see in a Romero movie that will carry over to the next and to the next and um but yeah he's he's never been really good about directing people as much as he is dealing with monsters,
1: right, kind of like George Lucas, and
0: I animals. almost said that earlier yeah.
1: all right, so how uh, have we milked this puppy as far as we can?
2: uh yeah, I mean, I don't have a whole lot more to say about it. You could see uh through the super like the weird Bongo quick edits that Joel was talking about, like the super fast montage like you could tell that he'd been making too many commercials i think that was just well, something that jumped out to me
3: and i uh, as i watched it i uh i i more was going along with the aspect that he was trying to create the kind of frantic pace that everything was happening and that everybody's where their head was at and he was trying to create that with a visual sense either that or the clips that he had that were stock footage were just so short that he didn't have a choice um but yeah there were some really really hefty pacing issues throughout the whole thing. I remember the first time I saw it I I was falling asleep and had to stop and come back to it. Uh,
2: I will say the uh opening grabbed me. Uh, where you've got the two kids and then like very quickly their dad murders their mom and then traps them in the house and burns it with him mm-hmm. in it. That was like, yikes, okay, this is where
1: we're going. Yeah. Ooh, I okay, have a question the about the um Seems to be a lot of focus on eating in this movie. <laughs> and there was that, I, I don't know what scene it was, but it was where the, I, one scene ends, and then it picks up with a 30-second moment of a guy trying to pick up a pickle.
2: I must have been looking
1: at my phone. No, it was. I don't remember this. No, it was, it was like, well, I mean, then there's another scene where the, um, the general that they brought in, the general... Uh, maybe not the general, but one of the guys, one of the uh, military guys, they bring in, and he's eating a sandwich. And there's a lot of focus on him unwrapping this sandwich. And then it cuts to another scene, and there's a guy from one of the in the one of the military bases, off of like outside of where all this is going on, and the guy picking up a pickle out of a uh, out of a I don't want to say buffet, but it's like a whole bunch of sandwiches laying out. There was a lot of I don't know why I noticed this. There's a lot of yeah. things that I noticed that I'm not entirely sure what's wrong with me. <laughs> but there was a pickle scene, and it really stuck with me.
3: I, I remember the pickle? sandwich, but I don't remember a pickle. Yeah. Oh, nice. nice. So it's,
1: like your,
0: it's your pickle if you want it. I mean,
1: I'm just saying, in Death Wish, I'm the one who pointed out that there was a dude walking around the airport with a giant mallet.
0: Yeah, I don't know how we missed that. It's, when you screencapped that, it blew my mind. Yeah. was <laughs> like the bear in the, in the the juggling scene, you know?
1: yeah. I mean, it's just one of those things like, what the fuck? Why is he taking so long to pick up that pickle? Is it an uh, allegory?
0: Why does he have a giant mallet? <laughs> uh,
3: yeah, there's, it's, it's got problems. Let's yes. just put it that way. Well, Unfortunately. I mean,
0: yeah, but
1: at least he got out of it. I mean, he made this step and he did the next the big thing for him. I mean, he basically created the whole zombie genre, so... This mm-hmm. was just a stepping stone into him getting to the big thing for him. So, it's, Yeah,
3: I mean... It's your
0: pickle. If you want to eat it, you, you can
3: eat it. He, he was... I mean, he... he not was... well, past, I guess he was now. But, I mean, he created the modern-day version of the zombie. I mean, there'd been zombies in films prior to that, but...
0: When did he die? Were, like, two years ago? Something
3: like that? Uh, yeah, roughly. Um, but they were more, you know, the Haitian slave zombies that were used for you know, uh, punishment or whatever. So, yeah.
2: Not the walking dead that eat the living. He, he like yeah, everything that came after owes it self to Romero.
3: Yeah. If it wasn't for night of the living dead, we wouldn't have the walking dead and all the other glut of zombie stuff that's out there, which for me is a good thing, but you know, it's getting to the point where it's oversaturation, but yeah, that's, I
0: think that's people are taking him. it a little too far. Like, you know, everybody's expecting zombies now, like a real thing is it is, like you just, you do realize it's fictional people, right? You know, like people are selling zombie preparedness kits and shit. I'm like, it, it's fictional.
2: Well, imagining that it's not is a good act exercise in like disaster preparedness.
0: Oh, I get that. You know the dy- dystopian appeal, but I'm just saying, like, you know, just call it what you want. What what you're doing, just just disaster. It's like it doesn't have to be specifically zombies. I just
2: yeah, it's just more fun to do it that way. It's it's more fun to well, imagine I mean, that you're going to survive a zombie apocalypse than you're going to maybe not survive a terrorist attack. i'm just just saying fuck
0: your fun
3: but uh, you know how far off is it that you know this type of thing could happen not the living dead but just a bacteriological weapon that makes people
1: insane is bacteriological even a a word i think it is it is because it sounded really weird when they were saying it on in the
0: movie Well, it sounds made up
1: it sounds made up but i think it's actually i think it's actually legit okay I was like, it's some bacteriological stuff. Let's get into pickup.
0: <laughs> Where's my truck nuts?
1: <laughs> Tim Allen's licking them. <laughs> and on that note, we're going to take a break. <laughs> Tim Allen licking truck nuts is code for us to take a break. When we come back, we're going to talk about The Crazies 2010. Starring some guy who's known as Timothy Oliphant, which I, I think he, Timothy Oliphant is. He's he's been in some things.
3: Oh, I love Timothy Oliphant. Me too.
2: Kenyan cricket wicket keeper. <laughs> and out.
1: <laughs> All right, we are back. We're going to talk about 2010s. The Crazies, uh, about the inhabitants of a small town suddenly plagued by insanity, and then death after a mysterious toxin contaminates their water supply. Uh, Some of the taglines on this one make much more sense than the previous one. Fear thy neighbor, help us, welcome to Ogden Marsh, the friendliest place on earth. And then the UK uh, version of it had insanity is is infectious. Which is hard to say. Not as hard to say as
2: Kenyan cricket wicket keeper. <laughs> Definitely not. I um, knew that was
0: coming out right there. <laughs> it had to. <laughs> it was
2: almost obligatory at that point. You <laughs> notice it wasn't as much energy as the last four times I said <laughs> right?
1: it. Right? Wicket keeper, keeper.
0: You, you managed to. to <laughs>
1: Yeah, right there. Oh,
0: well, <laughs> no. he managed to make it sound like uh, what's that? The uh, uh, the guy from the, the drunk guy from the roast. Um,
1: oh my god! From the old seventies ones.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. what's his name? All right, Trevor.
0: I can't think of his name. Over, I can't
2: think of his name either. With the beard, I, I know yeah. exactly who you're talking yeah. about. Sam.
0: Oh my god! That's who he just channeled
1: all right. Google
0: joke is gone.
1: Guy with beard.
0: Struther uh, Martin. Struther Martin. Yeah, Strother right?
1: Martin. That's way to go. It. Thank you. Stone Pat scores one. Foster Brooks.
0: Foster Brooks. Foster, Foster Brooks. Brooks. That's the real one, yeah. I
3: looked up drunk beard roast, and that's... what like, <laughs>
0: <laughs> mm,
2: drunk
3: beard
1: roast. Along with a lot of pictures drunk of chicken. Beard roast.
0: I got a great rub for that.
1: <laughs> I All bet right. you do. <laughs> All right. So this is directed by Breck Eisner, who has also directed such fun-loving films as Sahara. And the Last Witch Hunter, which
0: in ma- relation to Michael Eisner,
1: no, he also did
3: five episodes of The Expanse, which I know Josh is a big fan of. True,
1: mm-hmm. true. Um, but it, he, the thing is, like the Crazy Sahara and the Last Witch Hunter, I think all fo- fall into the same bucket. They're not really good, but they're a lot of fun to watch. Interesting.
3: Sahara was a lot of fun to watch. I agree.
2: And I, I actually, like, spoiler alert, I really liked this movie.
1: Mm, we'll get to more. So this is written by Scott Kozar, who wrote Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2003, The Machinist 2004, and The Amityville Horror 2005. And which, is the supervising producer on the current Haunting of Hill House, which everybody's talking about.
3: And he wrote some episodes of Bates Motel. Um, mm-hmm. Machinist is... An amazing film. Amityville Horror, we've talked about, and and Texas Chainsaw Massacre.
1: Yeah. Also, Ray Wright, who did the screenplay. Uh, A little bit less. Case 39, The Crazies, and Greta. But uh, it's got some good, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Pedigree.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah, and critics liked it a lot more than audiences did. Mm-hmm. I noted that there was a pretty big discrepancy between uh, the critics' reviews and the uh, Rotten Tomatoes for people. It was like 71 critics, 57
1: audiences. Hmm. Okay, well, we'll get into that. So Timothy Oliphant, uh, who you may remember from uh, the – what's the Cowboy TV show, Pat? Deadwood. Uh, no, Justified.
0: Oh, well, and Deadwood. That too. Edwood.
1: Is he Is he in Deadwood?
0: Yeah, he played uh, the sheriff. Oh, oh, okay. And he's
3: on Santa Clarita Diet.
1: Yes, Mm-hmm.
0: He, plays he was in, uh, oh, what was the movie um, with the girl next door? Jay, uh, well, whatever. Not a he was
3: in Scream 2 as well.
0: Yeah, Go. Go.
1: Yep. Mm-hmm.
0: I like him a lot of Bella. stuff.
3: I'm a fan.
1: So, uh, Rada Mitchell is Judy, David's wife, uh, who also plays Rose in Silent Hill, the movie.
3: Yep, and High Art, which is the one that introduced me to her. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, Pitch Black was the one that introduced me to her. Right. Yeah, that was
3: also an amazing film.
2: Uh, Mm -hmm.
1: Joe Russell is deputy. I mean, sorry, Joe Anderson is deputy Russell. Uh, Um, He was also in across the universe, the runes mm -hmm. and the gray. The ruins is an underrated
3: horror movie. It's actually really, really good.
1: I'll have to check that out. I've heard about it. It's on my list of movies that if ever shows up, I want to watch.
2: Uh, He was also on the Hannibal
1: TV series. Oh yeah. Minor character. Um, Danielle Panabaker.
0: We've talked about the tweet. Mm hmm. Who
1: is uh, Caitlin Snow, Killer Frost from The Flash. Mm. Yep.
3: And we also have talked about her in the Friday the 13th, 2009.
0: When we discovered or, I don't know the difference between Marvel and DC. Exactly. Christy Lynn
1: Smith is Deirdre Farnham in this one. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, Grey's Anatomy rated. Uh, we're kind of getting to the point where people are a little bit less known. Uh, Bill Farnham was uh, Brett Rickaby, uh, the guy who shows up with a shotgun on the... On the Facebook diamond, yeah. Yeah. Uh, He's in Castle Rock right now, which is on Hulu. So if you like Stephen King and J.J. Abrams, definitely check that out because he plays a sheriff in that one. So long as you can tolerate glacial pacing. Yeah. Yeah. Why don't we just draw this out a little bit? But he's also in the Orville and A Million Ways to Die in the West. Which we've
3: talked about both of those and
1: Mm, liked both of those. Uh, Preston Bailey as Nicholas, the boyfriend. Was he the boyfriend? Yep yep uh he plays uh, this is all for you pat he plays young Mac and it's always sunny in Philadelphia have we lost Pat I no. was just asking what, the same
3: what, what happened what? what we were talking what? about it's always sunny in Philadelphia
0: oh I heard it I just didn't hear that it was directed at me yeah
1: oh yes yeah yeah so he, he played young Mac, this Mac. Person, so uh John ale Ail- Ail- that l throws me off Aylward. John Aylward who was Dr. Banks from Armageddon, Niles for Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, and Instinct, he played Warden Kiefer. So, I believe he was on ER as well. Was he? Mm-hmm. Good on him. So uh, some trivia on this one. Elizabeth Banks turned down a role in this film because she thought it was too similar to her character in Slither. I could see that. And while she would have been fine,
2: I mean, Mitch, she, I, she almost certainly would have been in the Rada Mitchell role. Um, mm-hmm. It
1: would have been an upgrade, but I thought Roda Mitchell was awesome in this. I, I agree with you. I think she really pulled it off well. Uh, Elizabeth Banks would have been good, but Roda Mitchell, I think, did a great job. Uh, this I really is,
0: like Elizabeth Banks.
1: Yes, we know. We know. All right. <laughs> uh, This is the 12th ILM released in select D-Box enabled cinemas. <laughs> that That's weird. Mitchell? Shut up. Go ahead, Pat. Take that where you want.
0: No, I, I, hey, I
1: would you me. pay more for a D box in a cinema? First, you got to cut a hole in the box. <laughs> uh, <laughs> in D box's words, the motion control technology adds to the movie's plot and underlying themes of fear, terror, and explosive action by offering realistic sensations during most of the film's action scenes. Huh. basically, they just loaded up a bunch. Of, they had these at a theater near me, and I tried one out once. And it's they put a bunch of vibrators in the in the chair. <laughs> That's really what it felt like. Well,
2: I mean, there's a little bit of a rumble seat thing going on if you see a, a full Dolby.
1: Oh theater, yeah, there is, but in the spring. Same, yeah, yeah, it wasn't as nearly as thrilling as you didn't think it would be. Uh, Lynn Lawry, co-star of The Crazies from 1973, of which this film is a remake, which is kind of our shtick, uh, is an infected local who rides a bicycle through the town. And what's crazy is even
2: though she was only on the screen for like half a second, Sarah watched this one with me too. She recognized her
1: immediately. Wow. Nice. Good on Sarah. Yeah.
0: Yes. Sarah's like a detective. Okay. I, I got nowhere to go with that. I was done with the statement.
1: Um, I, was, I was waiting for more.
0: Nope. That was it.
1: <clears throat> it's like, she's like a detective. She has a hat and shoes too. Uh, the sound of the nuclear explosion can be heard about one second after the light. And uh, (laughs) subreddit, they did the math, which means that they were only about 340 meters from the nuclear blast itself. I should have had a refrigerator. Right. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need no Mack truck. What you need is a refrigerator. Um, So, yeah, so that was the, uh, you know, and there's a whole (laughs) bunch in in the trivia. There's a whole bunch of stuff about, you know, they would have been blinded by the... uh, nuclear Light. blast they wouldn't have survived it they were way too close you can't outrun a nuclear blast in a mac truck type of thing but at that point who cares it looked cool I, I would have cared of course you would um josh i really enjoyed this movie yeah from the moment
2: it started like uh we were five minutes into it i was like okay this first five minutes has been better than the entire original film
1: oh yeah I mean, I, I like how they opened it with the entire town burning to the ground and around you. And it just says three days earlier. Yeah. And, and you've got the crazies are legitimately
2: menacing. There's a nice slow build buildup. Mm-hmm. Uh, the scene where they're uh, in the swamp and you've got the plane under the water. I thought that
1: was a really cool shot with how big the plane was. Yeah. There was some great cinematography in this. There were some actually scary parts in this uh, where in the previous one, it was kind of like, oh, yeah, there's somebody that's going to come. My, my freak out moment of watching this movie is when they finally got to the um, the truck stop and his wife is drinking the bottle of water and there's a, there's the guy in the kitchen behind her. Just yeah, there. the hunter. Yeah, the yeah. hunter's behind her and she walks to the left, goes around the counter and the camera pans back to the right and he's gone. Yeah. And I was watching this with um Suzanne. No, with Katie. Oh. Yeah, and Katie's like, "Where did he go? <laughs> there was a dude right there." And she was like all ready for it, you know? I mean, that and that is but I mean, it's a lot of subtle, I don't know, I mean, not even subtle, but more more uh waiting for it type freakouts versus the visceral blood in your face type stuff. I'm gonna also give you a bold
2: statement. Even though overall maybe this film won't crack my top ten, there were two scenes that are going to rank uh, among my all-time favorite scenes wow. in a horror movie. That's a bold statement. Uh, the car uh, wash sequence was flat out brilliant. Yes it was where the uh car is trapped moving forward slowly and you can see the lights cutting on and off and they're headed towards the crazy people and they can't do a goddamn thing. Mm -hmm. It was just like, I was like the idea, the cinematography, like everything about that was awesome. And I also really enjoyed, uh, at the truck stop where he's trapped under the truck in the oil change area with a gigantic hunter. Mm hmm just like that one wasn't as striking to me as the car wash, but like the car wash scene,
1: I was impressed the entire time it was on the screen. And, and the way they concluded it with the one crazy getting the girl with the, with the tube around her neck and killing her.
2: Yeah. With a hose. Mm-hmm.
1: And yeah. And then she gets yanked out of the car and her neck gets snapped.
3: Yeah. It wasn't even intentional that I think that he meant to, well, I won't say that. I, I think that it was unintentional the way that she ended up dying as much as he was just trying to, get to her to try and kill her, and it was just a happy accident. Well, unhappy accident. But, yeah, it was pretty dark. And that's the thing. The movie isn't necessarily all about the jump scares. As, it's as much about that as it is about the just the disturbing sequences. That
0: I appreciate a movie that doesn't rely on jump scares.
3: Yeah, this movie took a lot of the interesting
2: ideas from the first one and just made a good movie around them. It discarded the... Uh, like the military are crazy fuck ups that are just as crazy as the crazies, and just decided to make the military almost faceless and menacing.
0: Okay, well, here's a question What was the budget compared to the other movie?
1: Oh, God. Oh, hang on. Hang on. I got that. I got that. That's a thing. I'm sure it was quite a bit more. Oh, it, it definitely was. It's got to be millions. Uh, well, I've got. Talk amongst yourselves.
3: Barb, barb. Well, this is the third time I've seen this one as well.
1: All right. So the um, budget was twenty million, and it opening weekend did sixteen. It grossed thirty nine, and worldwide it hit fifty six.
0: Twenty million. You got a little more room to make a better movie.
3: Yeah, for sure. Well, and with the pedigree it had behind it, between the kind of at this point still somewhat up and coming um, people that weren't a listers, but uh, they were right on the cusp. Mm-hmm. Uh, plus the writer and uh, the writers and the director were all, you know, they done their time and uh had proven themselves to be you know talent so definitely had more going for it in that regard
1: no and it's um it i don't want to say it's a little bit more realistic but it's a little bit more terrifying in the way that the military just shows up and like like the whole scene where they go and wind up rescuing um the uh girl's boyfriend oh yeah that whole i mean and he runs out of the he runs out of the bar and oh get away from my mom and they just they just shoot him shoot his mom and then set them on fire yeah. you know it's it's a, it's very much like if there was something the the thing that i got away from it was if something that bad got out how aggressive would the army navy whatever be in keeping it contained
2: well, and the ending tells us that. <laughs> right. Well, and, and the how,
3: truth of
0: the matter is, if, if they had to go that vicious, there would be no witnesses. Like,
3: well,
2: That's kind of a major plot point, yes.
3: Um, and one of the other things that I appreciated about this, the first time I saw it, as well as the, this time, was that they did establish there were rules um, with the sickness. It wasn't just a, we might what? be a little crazy, that you had 48 hours uh, from the time, you were infected to the time you were, you know, completely too far gone. Uh, and yeah, so otherwise they, you're immune. They, yeah. They had they had an established rules and, you know, with the way that the, the progression took hold of people, you know, kind of the, the the silent kind of lost in thought sort of thing to almost zombie-like with the uh, the veiny discolorations and um desire to just kill everybody like the hunters. Mm-hmm which was messed up.
2: Well, and it was so neat the way that the individuals like seized on whatever was around them. And that became their weapon of choice. Like for the Emmy, it was his bone saw. That was Uh, a great
1: scene. Yeah. Just
2: like, yeah, so many, and granted this movie probably, uh, got itself bumped up a few spots in my mind because I was directly comparing it to just having it two days before seeing the original and not liking the original. But uh, yeah, I I thought that it was not only better than the original, but it was a legitimately
1: really good horror film. No, and it it was because it it kept all the the good horror tropes. Yeah, and it fixed
2: a lot of the problems with the original. I was complaining that there were almost no likable characters in the original. There were
1: tons of likable characters in this. Yeah, there were. that's the thing that I think was missing from the from the first one is that when people got killed in the first one, you were like, yeah, well, you know, he was kind of a douchebag anyway. In this one, when when uh, what's her face got pulled out of the car and uh, her neck snapped, you were literally I was upset. I'm like, I wanted her to survive. But unfortunately, it was, you know, not, it, not, to, be. not to be. I mean, it and, you know, there was actual emotion in the deaths of these characters versus eh, in the previous one.
3: What about the sequence in the, uh, the army hospital, which there was, there was a couple of issues with, um, time gaps as far as things happening kind of rather suddenly, but, uh, where the one, the mayor is wandering through with the pitchfork,
1: that part just the, every time oh, I no, that was it, it the, uh, me. yeah, that was the, um, the principal. Yep. Oh, okay. Sorry. Wrong guy. Yeah. And that, and that was a great scene. Because you know her husband and the deputy are on their way, but you don't know where they are, and you know that she has just tried to save her friend. She tried to save this girl from being stabbed through the chest with a with a pitchfork, and now she's watching her own death approach her. That was such a tense moment, and I think they did it really well. And they, they had a, a great—I um uh, I don't know, human— version of it because like she gets rescued uh, spoilers she gets rescued by her husband who shoots the principal in the chest he comes over and he, and first thing he says are you all right and she's like no <laughs> i'm not
3: and if she hadn't lost the baby by then i wouldn't be surprised if she did but um that was one of the parts that i, I had a little bit of an issue with was after they <laughs> they got up and left there was all these people still strapped to the table how many of them were actually infected and how many were okay?
2: Well, he was under the belief that there was a good chance that everyone in that room was infected. Uh, besides her, she was only running a fever because she was pregnant and he just wasn't going to fight her on bringing her a friend. Right.
3: Which that part threw me a little bit. Cause I was like, wait, there was like six or eight other people still alive there that weren't pitchfork. Um, but th- it's just such a frightening thought to be completely immobilized. And there's somebody that, could literally impale you uh at any second <laughs> Who would have just no having calm. to
2: watch him pitchfork people while yeah. they scream and cry, don't do it.
3: It's just an incredibly disturbing thought, which if you had done that in like um i don't know if you put it in a different context, it wouldn't have had the same impact um if it was just there for the sake of being there, but there was purpose to it that played along with the storyline and gave you a real sense of what exactly they were dealing with.
1: Right. And, and I think that's the difference between this and the first one is that you don't really understand the need for rules in this sort of situation. In this in this I'm a situation in this kind of movie, you you have the zombies running around. There needs to be a a rule for this happens and this happens and this happens, not just a whole bunch of uh, high schoolers in a locker room or in a uh, uh, auditorium acting wacky. You mm-hmm. have, you know, there there is a step-by-step-by-step by step by step type thing. Um, one of the things that I did re- also read in the trivia is that it took, for every character that was a crazy, there was three hours of makeup for them. Neat. Yeah. and And no. the makeup was really good
3: did anybody during the combine scene think that somebody was going to end up in the combine
1: oh for sure 100 oh, yeah. percent.
3: i mean i knew it wasn't just i'd seen it but i wondered what you guys were thinking when you're watching it was it.
2: like you don't stand there ever
3: yeah. i know she, she trusts you know she had no reason not to trust her husband at that point she knew he was not feeling well but she didn't know the extent of what was going on and that that sequence is just raises your blood pressure by several several points yeah
2: because the way he ends up getting her is kind of worse than the combine mm-hmm. in some
3: ways it
1: it's a lot worse
3: but it, it the nice the nice thing with that is it gives you this beat where you're at this high point of stress and you're like okay everything's fine and then you hear the gunshot and then everything you don't even get a chance to really catch your breath and recover and so when the next thing happens you're just like oh shit you know it, mm-hmm. it's a yeah it's hard to deal with but I'm glad you guys liked it, because I was looking forward to seeing this again. It's one of those that is one that I revisit periodically, and um, I was a little nervous. Maybe you guys weren't going to dig it for some reason.
1: No, I, I, I dug it because it actually had tense... If if there's a horror movie and I'm not... Well, I don't want to say edge my seat, but if I'm not concerned... If there's no emotional investment in the characters I want to see survive, then...
0: Then you're watching an Eli Roth movie.
1: Exactly. <laughs> Shut up, Pat. But no, I mean, I in, I enjoyed this. This was a fun, tense, you know, the whole scene in the truck stop was great. <laughs> I'm sorry I didn't see it, Pat.
0: Yeah, actually, you know, I might go mm. and watch it now after you guys talk. No, you, you know. And we've
2: to. built it up a lot. And I know you don't want to suffer through the original, but you should probably watch them in order because it does benefit from the comparison.
0: Well, then never mind.
2: i mean you you might be oh man this sounded awesome and i think even if you end up saying it wasn't as good as we say it is i think you'll appreciate the car wash scene it it is is so well put together yeah
1: it it is i i don't want to spoil it for you but it's one of those kind of like it the whole scene finishes up with of course that's what happened
3: (laughs) well and and it's nice because when you watch them back to back like that because you really get a sense of Okay, here's kind of the seed that George planted, but didn't pull it off in any way, shape or form. They took the the little um, highlights of it, tweaked them, added other things to it, and turned it into something that hopefully he was proud of. I've never read his thoughts on the remake, but um, it definitely ranks up there as one of the better ones out there. Full show.
1: no, I mean this this was actually the second time I've watched this movie, really? Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah it was, it was I, the first time for me. Really? Yeah, for both of them. And I know it wasn't the first time for Joel. I I don't know how what I watched it the last time the girls went out of town, whenever whenever they leave, I have a thing where I will randomly choose a movie on Netflix or on Amazon Prime, and then the next movie has to can, has to have somebody from the first movie in it. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. Like, I like yeah that. and, and that's i don't i don't know why i started doing that but like i'll watch alien and then after that i will watch um copycat because it has um what's her face ripley in it so whoever's in that movie i will find a movie who is in copycat and move to the next one and that was one of those days where i just moved into that so but it. There. What I appreciate about this one is there's actual tension for people that you care about. the The fight in the nursery where the um, ah, uh, the son and son and wife of the guy who showed up on the ball field with the shotgun show up. Yeah, that was good.
3: Which it it also shows that the the characters, despite their craziness, air quotes, they still are cognizant. Um of what they're doing. They just have homicidal in- instincts that have control, taken control of their, their being. So the fact that they wanted to take revenge for what they felt was an unjust killing, uh, just gave them license to do so. Yeah. It was, it was twisted just like the hunters. I mean, um, which was another nice thing. Cause in the original, they didn't really seem to have much logic to it. They were just nutty. This one, there was some motive behind some of it, which was a nice touch.
1: Well, yeah. Once
0: again, budget versus budget.
1: Well, I think it's less budget versus budget and budget versus well-written script.
0: I mean, what happens if you give George Romero $20 million to make a movie?
1: You get four shitty movies. You don't get anything now, unfortunately. Truth. <laughs> yeah. mm, okay.
0: Did he ever have that kind of budget? What kind of movie did it produce?
2: I mean, I'm sure that uh, Land of the Dead had that kind of budget and I legit didn't like it.
3: I know. While you guys are talking there, I'm looking at yeah. Because I'm
0: curious. I mean, uh, even six, 16 oh, million. That's 16 million, million. It's only four million off. Close enough to yeah. draw a comparison.
3: Yeah, I mean that was his big. That was his kind of his last hurrah with uh, filmmaking.
0: So there you go. There. That's not just your. It's not just your budget. I mean, obviously, it's your last. I mean, hurrah.
3: Well, I mean, it, it was his last like big theatrical um, release where there was a lot of buzz around it. There was a lot of talk. I went and saw it in the theater with Matt Brown, and it was one of those things where it was this big to do, and you know, like I said, it spawned a couple of of additional films after it that carried on the Dead series. But um, you know, uh, Diary of the Dead was only two million. That was kind of a found footage thing, and Survival of the Dead. I'm not sure um, what that budget was, but it was that was the last film he made before he passed. That was only four million, so you know, he was working on a shoestring by Hollywood standards.
1: All right. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Yeah, I think that's where we're at now. Yeah. Patrick? (laughs) Thumbs nowhere. (laughs) He has no thumbs. How does he hold a pencil?
2: It's like Patrick has seen it zero times. I've seen it once. Mike has seen it twice. And Joel has seen it three times.
3: Yep. I've seen both of them three (laughs) times cycle. Yep.
1: Uh, Well, I'll start it out. The original thumbs down. Unless it's the Doctor, in which case thumbs up. Because he knew he was in a shit movie, but he was 100% in. He's still no slick. Yeah, Doctor. That's true. Uh, But Richard France, I salute you. For the now, thumbs up. Yeah, I mean, I thought it was pretty obvious. For me, it
2: was a pretty big thumbs down for the original and a very big thumbs up uh, Uh, for the new.
3: uh, For me, the original, unfortunately, after seeing it several times, I still... Don't care for it. So I'd give it a thumbs down. I mean, A for effort, but poorly executed. And the new one, definitely thumbs up. Um, I have liked it every time I've seen it and would watch it again.
1: Yeah.
2: All right. So, Joel, what's on tap for next week in October? Our fourth. Last week, right? Yeah.
3: Our fourth and final chapter of this year's October as it comes to an end. We're doing uh, My Bloody Valentine, the 1981 version and my bloody valentine the 2009 3D version. Yep.
2: All right, so if you want to let us know how you felt about uh the crazies, uh maybe you're with the 57% of the audience who uh liked it like us or maybe you're with that uh 43% that hated it. Uh, let us know and we'll uh forget your voicemail and not play it on. <laughs> <When you call? laughs> Give us a call at 708 Now Rap. That's yeah. 708-669-9727. Right? And Unless like we smell, will languish.
1: <laughs> Languishing. Uh, yeah, and so if you're uh, looking for our older stuff, like I said before, iTunes, Blueberry, Stitcher Talk Shoe, Podverse FM, NoonFM.com, and leave us a review at PodChaser.com. It's IMDB for podcasts, TM.
0: It's not. <laughs> um...
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. So, yeah, next week, My Bloody Valentine. So, I've actually been selling it to the girls. Um, I'm like, hey dean from supernatural is in it you'll love it there's there's a l- whole lot of full frontal nudity well they gotta in the learn sometime i mean <laughs> but hey, it's female so i i checked it out from the library and it came with 3d glasses so i'm huh. good boobs really that's how we're going out on this show Mm-mm. say it with I'm... say it with passion joel
3: with passion joel <sighs>
1: That's how we're going out. <laughs> Kenyan
2: Cricket Wicket Keeper.
3: <laughs>
0: Although they probably would have looked Venus, like pets. Weener, weener, weener. That's what it is, weener. <laughs>
1: Too. What conversation so- are you having?